Hello, you're listening to the Leeds Sanctuary podcast. Leeds Sanctuary is a network of communities in Leeds City Centre, each beginning with encounter and aiming to embody sanctuary and justice, through which individuals and our city can flourish. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, welcome to the Leeds Sanctuary podcast. I'm Emily and I'm the host of the Sanctuary Stream. Sanctuary is one of our core values at Leeds Sanctuary and today I'm joined by Anna and Sam, two of my colleagues. So we recently took a trip to Bristol and visited the New Room, which is the first ever Methodist building founded by John Wesley in 1739. So for context, the New Room did all sorts of things. Um, It was a food bank, it was a clothes bank, a free medical dispensary for those who couldn't afford medical help. Um, It was a school for people who could have access education otherwise um, and they also organised visits to the local community who were um, sick uh, or in prison, um, all sorts of different outreach work. So as three people who didn't grow up in the Methodist Church, we came away feeling really inspired and excited about the foundations of the Methodist Church and its relevance for today. So other than our burgeoning questions about Charles Wesley's real hair, (laughs) what stood out? (laughs) What stood out for you two thinking back to that visit? I have some serious and some less serious observations to make. <laughs> Great. Um, one of mine was about that same picture of Charles Wesley and his very kind face. <laughs> Emily and I stood and looked at that face for quite some time, <laughs> wondered about his hair and also thought, what a very kind-faced man he looked like. <laughs> the other thing that I wrote down, which was is kind of... It kind of jokey and kind of quite serious was about the housekeeper. So there was one of the blocks was about their housekeeper who had worked who'd worked there for years, hadn't she? Yeah, yeah. She had a not straightforward romantic life. <laughs> I think it said something that she was married to a few people at the same time or there was something like that wasn't there there was a lot of confusion about who was who already was married, married to. and who was actually who was still living yeah yes <laughs> but i think what really touched us was at the end it said so she 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 lived and worked with the wesleys and gave a huge amount to the foundation of the methodist church and on her gravestone it said she lived and died a christian mm. and i just thought that was so lovely and said so much about the character of the wesleys and how they really embraced people for who they are and the the kind of whatever they had come from and were going through that didn't matter because it was all about kind of who they were within and the relationship they built with them Yeah, yeah, that's so good. So I took a photo of the information plaque um, about that lady, which I will share when we share this podcast. Mm. I'll also upload that to the website so people can read the information that we we saw too. They really lived what they what they preached that that everybody was equal and that um, everybody was a child of God and mm. so you know just because somebody lived in a way that they might not have approved of they they fundamentally still valued her mm. and yeah. that was you know that was the thing that really kind of stood out for me that they are they they was just so forward thinking in um, inclusivity and you know just just so the issues for them that came up for them that were so important were the, just the stuff that we deal with today in terms of, you know, um, immigrants. So they were trying to make sure that, you know, immigrants were included um, 
and just that yeah that everybody was treated equally so you know they were right on it in terms of trying to abolish slavery because they didn't feel that you know people were anybody was worth any less mm. than them so yeah that was uh, it just kind of really <laughs> it was really inspiring wasn't it yeah yeah absolutely so it's interesting then you say they were forward thinking do you see any parallels between british culture in the 18th century when the wesleys were founding the methodist movement and now yeah i just i felt like everything that they were you know was was at the forefront of their minds were was just so relevant today i mean that you know they were fighting for animal rights you know they were telling people um you know they had policies on the fact that you shouldn't mistreat your horses or that children shouldn't hurt um animals they were against things like cockfighting you know so so they were always you know just kind of thinking so some some of the issues um around poverty and things that we're mm. we're kind of facing today they were fighting for um fair pay for everybody um a living wage and that was like you know, this is the 1700s and we're still still mm. dealing with the same issues today mm. but they yeah they were so on it really yeah yeah and i think particularly with the cost of living crisis um that we're campaigning on at the moment it felt really relevant to see that actually the things they were talking about there exact are exactly the same to what mm. you're saying about people being paid properly mm. but also um, people's living standards and all all of those things still feel like conversations that we're having today mm. making sure people were fed it was inspiring to see that but i guess it's also kind of depressing to think we're still having those same conversations today <laughs> like mm. we pro i'm not saying progress hasn't been made but that there's still there's still so many issues in our society i wonder if that fundamentally comes down to the intrinsic value of people where Obviously, the Bible says everybody is of value, mm. and yet, really culturally, still, mm. and for you know, time immemorial, there has been this constant debate of who is of value, yeah, who do we help, yeah. yeah I mean, their their slavery is our LGBTQ rights. You know, it it was the same thing that that some people in society are not worth as much as others. So yeah, they didn't they didn't have that issue. Well, <laughs> they didn't know about it, yes, mm. <laughs> and didn't and didn't campaign on that. But um, and and we don't have slavery. <laughs> well, okay, we do. But yeah, so you know, but even though some of the issues might not have been absolutely parallel, the their underlying point that that every human being is is worth the same mm. um, is something that we still haven't got right. That yeah. we don't really believe. And, you know, our society doesn't reflect Mm. and I think that's really interesting actually the the two examples that you've used there of slavery and then LGBTQ plus because I think perhaps those are things that have been more hidden within our society so slavery now is not something that is talked about in a particularly big way but we know that it does happen and it happens on a huge scale Mm. it's just not a, a popular topic to speak of at the moment and similarly in the 18th century, mm-hmm. you know, the rights of, of people who were not heterosexual didn't really exist because those people had to live in the shadows, mm-hmm. I suppose. So I wonder if there's something about the, talking about the intrinsic value of people, actually the church bringing light to some of those issues mm-hmm. as well, even though we know that they're mm-hmm. not popular topics. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and there was something for me about how the Wesleys felt injustice so keenly. Mm. 
Um, and I think that is true for an awful lot of people, well, for myself and for an awful lot of people that I know that that actually that you can't, it does, it can't sit right with you that we live in such an unjust world. Um, and that seeing that their faith was such a big part of that felt really key as well. And yeah, that, that really spoke to me. It all it all came from that. You know, they they tried to live like Christ and that was the fundamental tenet that underpinned all of their issues that you know that 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 Christ was the one who was out in the streets with the the underdogs the the people that that needed him Mm. and they just didn't didn't believe that they could do anything without their faith you know Mm. that was that was kind of what what led them to to be who they are and it, it, it did remind me of this quote I remember to bring this book in today which is amazing but um Many years ago, I read a book called Call the Midwife, and it was long before there was a TV show or anything. And I, I read this book in two thousand and seven, and and it, it, I mean, the whole book was just an emotional roller coaster. It really blew my mind. But there was this just this small quote at the end that really, really meant something to me. And it was the the woman who wrote it was called Jennifer Worth, and and she's the narrator in the the TV show. And she was um, just a nurse who was working with a bunch of nuns. And she didn't really have a faith. She was kind of an agnostic. And she was talking to to one of the nuns one day, and she was sort of um, asking, so this quote is, what had impelled Sister Monica Joan to abandon a privileged life for one of hardship working in the slums of London's Docklands? Was it love of people, I asked her. Of course not, she snapped sharply. How can you love ignorant, brutish people who you don't even know? Can anyone love filth and squalor or lice and rats? Who can love aching weariness and carry on working in spite of it? One cannot love these things. One can only love God and through his grace come to love his people. Mm. And I, I just really, that, that quote always comes back to me. And when I was thinking about the Wesleys, I just thought that's exactly what they're saying. Mm. That put your faith in God, love God, and he will reveal to you what it is that you're supposed to be doing in this world, you know, mm. what, your, what your role is. Because, you know, how can we have the strength to, to cope with all of this and... and, and be these people you know be the people that, that God's asking us to be we can't we just have to have our faith and that kind of gives us the impetus to to care and yeah. to love <laughs> yeah that's so good because that's something I think about it all the time is there is so much need mm. particularly perhaps now more than ever there's so much need and so much concern for the future mm-hmm. so it's thinking about where you put your time and your money and all your efforts how do you choose one thing above another mm. because everything has that intrinsic value how do we pick what we do but I think what's beautiful about the church is we don't we don't have to pick because we work together as a body of people mm. so actually God can use the church to meet so much more need but us as individuals we form part of that and we will perhaps be called to one or two mm. areas I think that's that's so great um, and that's something that interested me about Wesley as well so we at Lead Sanctuary we run Enneagram courses and retreat days and we have some coming up in January so we do talk about the Enneagram as a personality typing system quite regularly so Anna I know we were talking about John Wesley <laughs> perhaps being an Enneagram 1 do you want to elaborate a bit more about what so, that might mean? <laughs> so I'm an Enneagram 1 and when I was reading some of the notes about John Wesley I just relate so much to him 
He loves routine. <laughs> he has extremely high personal standards. There's all of this stuff. I was like, oh my goodness. Like John Wesley has all the same kind of struggles day to day that I do, like intrinsically. So <laughs> yesterday I was messaging Emily and saying I was Googling, is John Wesley an Enneagram one? <laughs> See, I read something that said that he was autistic and that was why he really, really loved like routines and, and just like doing things the same way. And I thought, that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah. And it, it's important to say at this point, this is all <laughs> speculation. speculation. <laughs> we can never know. <laughs> but something with, because I'm an Enneagram 1 as well, something about being an Enneagram 1, for me, makes me think that I can do, I can do things under my own steam. Mm. And actually, that's outrageous and it's just, it's too high an expectation. Mm-hmm. But what I really liked about Methodism, the way that the Wesleys suggested people should explore and express their faith was through using routine. Mm. And you can see how the Wesleys were able to support so many people and they were able to do so much stuff, but actually their faith was at the centre of that. And so by investing that time in their own personal faith, they had a lot more uh, stamina mm. and grace and patience um, and energy for all of the other things that they were called to do. Yeah, I think that's I think that's just so right. And I I was thinking about that this so that what you were saying before about there's so much suffering, there's so much trauma, there's so much hurt in the world. How how can we understand that? And I was thinking. We just we have to believe that love and kindness are transformative mm. forces in the world, and I think that's partly the foundation of what we do as a lead sanctuary. Is we believe yes, there's a lot of brokenness in the world, but we can have the power to bring about change, whatever small or big way that turns out to be. Yeah, mm. that's so good because I think obviously one of our core values is justice, mm. and actually action to try and improve the world is activism Mm. so a lot there are people who would absolutely identify as activists because they have an interest in a particular um, field and they might regularly partake in communities or activities Mm. but even if you put you know a tin of beans in a food bank collection that is a form of activism you are making an action that changes the world Mm. so there are many many more of us that are already trying to do those things, but also many, many more of us that need some support and some mm. encouragement in those actions that they take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so agree. And the media is so catered towards like the big story and the, often the negative story. But actually, I, I often think, when I read the news, I think of all the people who are, are getting the shopping for their neighbour mm. or how, are just doing those small day-to-day, smiling at a stranger, you know, all of those small things that bring a bit of brightness and a bit of light and that yes. that that kind of level of stuff can't be forgotten about because mm. it feels so that is so important I think yeah absolutely so we talked there about justice um and that particular core value of ours that was also expressed in original Methodism mm-hmm. how can Methodist foundations be seen in our other core values um so the other one that stood out for me was encounter that there was a lot about the Wesleys going out and meeting people and really spending time with people. And they travelled. I mean, I can't remember the stat of how many miles um, John Wesley did on his horse, but it was unbelievable amounts that he he really went to the places that people were and he engaged with them. Mm. And that is what our encounter is all about, really, as a sanctuary. Um, and I I thought this this is really lovely quote. Um, 
from John Wesley, which is one great reason why the rich in general have so little sympathy for the poor is because they so seldom visit them. And that highlights the importance of relationship and meeting up, an encounter of being with somebody, truly. Yeah, absolutely. And I wonder if a lot of the, how do I put this, a lot of the opinions that perhaps um, that perhaps are unacceptable to some people actually come from a place of isolation mm-hmm. where people haven't um, met somebody from another culture or another lifestyle. And so all they're getting is somebody else's opinions. And that that is isolating. That's mm. very isolating. So I wonder then if it is that sense of going out and encountering people and yeah. coming to your own decisions mm. about actually mm. what you believe and, and what you feel. Yeah. What about flourishing, Sam? Our other core value. <laughs> but perhaps your best place to speak on. <laughs> flourishing. I guess flourishing in terms of uh, the Wesleys that they often talked about um, seeking to be as Christ-like as possible, um, trying to seek to be the best that we can be. And flourishing is that, you know, it's, it's that extra, it's being the best people that we can be. And how do we help people move to that? How do we help people achieve that? I think in, you know, in lead sanctuary that's that's something that we're aiming for in our, in our encounters we're not just meeting people but we're trying to um ha- you know encourage a transformative effect trying to to give people um what they need to be the best that they can be mm-hmm. and i actually think that through sanctuary that's how we do it so sanctuary mm-hmm. is our is our um other core value and by providing a space of sanctuary. And when I was thinking about sanctuary, I was thinking about um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know. So, you know, in order to provide that sanctuary to encourage people to flourish, we have to meet their basic needs because if they don't have those basic needs met, how can they flourish? How can they, they think higher? So, you know, and I guess that's coming back to justice, you know, people need warmth, they need shelter, they need food. So we need to help them achieve those things. And then beyond that, um, safety, they need to feel safe. And and when you think of sanctuary, that's the, the kind of word that you really think of, I think, you know, mm-hmm. it's a place where you feel safe. So, you know, we provide these spaces where people can come and they can be themselves, they can express who they are that they're safe to do that and we offer them love and belonging so you know moving up the Maslow's hierarchy of needs you know uh, you know to be loved and a space to belong and to to grow in self-esteem and to to learn and you know all as you move up these these levels um this is kind of what I see sanctuary as really providing all those levels to people so that they reach that self-actualization, that level of like being the best that they can be and the flourishing. So yeah. in my in my visual brain, it's like this is how we, we achieve it. Yeah, that's so great. And I think the Wesleys were also really keen on setting up communities, weren't they as well? So they really believed in participation in communities Mm. so that people could flourish so people could be who they felt would be the best version of themselves and some of that was being with people who shared similar interests Mm. some of that was actually being challenged on areas perhaps of your thought life or of your your 
physical life that mm. were not so healthy mm. um, and some of that also was learning and I think that as we're building our communities that's those are the sorts of things mm. that we're aiming for aren't they where we want people to come and feel welcomed mm. but also to feel like they're going to meet people with similar values or similar interests um, and perhaps even down the line people who will be great friends who will encourage you to be better mm. um, and to work through those challenges yeah yeah and less about kind of anything sort of um paternalistic Mm. we are doing this thing for you yeah more like here's a space we don't own this space but we we can hold this space and come come to this space and make of it what you will yes if that makes sense yeah yeah so it's very much facilitation of space yeah and 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 building a community you know we are members of this community don't we're part of this community we are on an equal footing with the people that come to our communities and and i was thinking of um uh, the doc drop-in that we we did last week and um and a, a guy who turned up and and he lives nearby and he was sort of expressing his anxiety around the fact that he felt like if something happened to him that it's possible that nobody would find out or know and you know it would be very easy to kind of go in like you say it was quite a paternalistic view like oh you know this man that we need to help and and Mm. make us feel better by helping him or whatever but you know he's he's us and we're him and you know that could be us Mm. and I sort of just felt very much like you know if that was me what you know what would I want from somebody else to to manage this situation and so it was about me talking to him and getting the answers from him about how he could you know what what lay behind these concerns and and who he did have in his life and yeah sometimes it might be providing more friendship and, and more support and things but but there were people in his life and and he just needed to recognize some of that as well and maybe mm-hmm. learn to to reach out to the people he already had and i love the sort of more um coaching model of of that you know so you're yeah. you're kind of you know people have the answers within themselves and you've got to believe that and that, that sometimes it's our um our place just to help them see that mm. but it, but it very much um coming with a very humble attitude that that you know, we're not coming mm. in as, as the swooping in and saving people, mm. you know. Yeah, and learning from other people as well. So I know usually when I go into a community, even if I am the organiser, so I'm the one that sets the dates and times, usually I learn mm. <laughs> loads. Yeah. <laughs> and, mm. and, and absolutely love it. Yeah. Because none of us has all of the answers. Mm. So I think you're right. I think it's a two-way street and that's mm. that's really good. Absolutely, because it was absolutely fascinating talking to him. He's, he's an older guy and, you know, he had led this fascinating life. You know, he'd gone out to Australia in the 60s and um, he'd worked throughout Leeds. He knew so much about Leeds history and things. And I, I got so much from that conversation. And and that's what, you know, people need to realise that this is a very, it's, it's a relationship. It's a two-way, yes. two-way thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we could carry on talking about (laughs) the new room and early Methodism, but we don't want to take up too long on this podcast alone. (laughs) 
So I will be sharing uh, some resources in the show notes for those of you that are listening. Thank you so much for chatting this morning about the new room. Before we finish, so Sam, what encouragement would you offer someone who feels like they have a foot in and a foot out of their faith for whatever reason? I think having been in that position for many, many years, (laughs) the one thing that I've realised is that you don't have to believe in God for them to be there (laughs) God doesn't care whether you believe in them or not doesn't (laughs) change the reality of the situation I would say always keep the door ajar a little bit Mm. Um, and you may not feel like you know living living your faith is is the right thing at that time but if you always just keep an ear open I well, personally for me, what happened was at the right time, I could, you know, God revealed themselves to me and I felt that I could see all the time that they'd been there. And I'd, I think I'd always known that, but it just, it wasn't, it didn't feel right for me for a long time. But yeah, keeping, keeping an ear open um, and keeping the lines of communication and not trying to shut it off because when the time's right yeah you'll you'll know I guess <laughs> that's lovely thank you so much for sharing that so thank you everyone for listening please do let us know if you've enjoyed our podcast um and if you happen to know what Charles Wesley's real hair looks like please do send us a photo <laughs> as we'll be mulling that one over for a while um if you've enjoyed the podcast please do share it with your loved ones we're on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at Leeds Sanctuary 